This is an ABC podcast. Bang. 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 Bang on. Hello, no. Miff. <laughs> Hello, Zan. How are you? <laughs> I'm pretty good. I'm all the better for seeing you. All the better for seeing you. Um... And pretty excited we're going to do some Olympics talk because up until yesterday when I realised I hadn't watched anything and you reminded me that that's what we're talking about this week. I reminded you that the Olympics are on. I had had nothing. (laughs) I've had a few other things going on in my life, Zan, busy. You have, Um, that's true. And I I hadn't paid attention. Thank you for alerting me and thank you again for another sleepless night because I stayed up (laughs) last night. sleep. I had to watch the highlights of the opening ceremony and then there was the swimming and oh, it's it's, it's just very exciting. It it's is very, very exciting. Thank you for getting me in that zone because I wasn't there and I Oh, it's a great that. zone and um, we're grateful for it. We're going to get into Olympics because that's why you're here, of course, on Bang On, your oh, podcast we, about music, art, life and stuff. And sport. <laughs> and sport. Um, have I before, told- we do, before we do though, I just want to like do a quick couple of shout outs because I've had a number of people email the Bang Box about Crime Stoppers, and I've been meaning to raise this for weeks. Like uh, maybe like four or five weeks ago, we talked about the fact that Barnaby Joyce uh, was had Crime Stoppers called on him for not wearing a mask at a regional service station, which mm. we celebrated. But at the same time, we we're like, who calls Crime Stoppers? Isn't like Crime Stoppers is this memory of our childhood where there was those ads that never Stranger updated the graphics. Danger. A lot of people call Crime Stoppers Miff, and I've had a number of great emails. A lot of people emailing about using them for things that were maybe a bit dodgy, like someone just hanging around looking a bit suspect, but didn't have the <laughs> urgency of a triple O call. So I pay that. But can I say this? Last weekend, 10,000 calls to Crime Stoppers for information relating to the selfish dickheads who marched in the anti lockdown marches in Sydney, Melbourne, and Brisbane. That is the kind of dibber-dobbering I celebrate. Yes, Crime Stoppers, I say. 10,000 calls. Gee, those people on the on the headsets would have been running at a million <laughs> miles an hour on that day. My God. My God. Because everyone knows someone, don't they, really? <laughs> <laughs> everyone knows someone is the internet, isn't it? <laughs> oh, man. We are dibber-dobbers. We certainly are dibber-dobbers. The um, inbox as well has been banging on muchly about your very exciting impending move to the country and your welcoming of goats. Thank you to Erica and Michaela for oh sending God, the best support and pictures of goats. Absolutely beautiful, beautiful beasts. Oh. Well, how's the goat update? What's going on with well, the goats? Uh, I'm, a bit, uh, I'm a bit overwhelmed at the moment. The goats might have to wait, but I, I in one of the emails there was mention of lots of rescue goats being available, which which I totally understand because apparently they're assholes. So people get excited <laughs> about goats and then they just go and pretty much eat everything off your clothesline and they can't handle it. So I'm ready for that because I've already got a dog that's a bit of an asshole in the sense that she does what she wants. So I think that would be a match made in heaven. Um, I'll make sure the fences are ready. It's a small enclosure, but I, I'm so goat ready. So goat ready. You're goat ready, are you? Yeah, I think a miniature one though. It has to be a miniature one, not a big one. I'll- you got to get a goat that's got one eye looking in one direction and the other in the other direction, like just Why? a bit wonky-eyed goat. Love it. Just absolutely here for no, it. No, no, I no, love no. goats. I want one of those ones that when you you whistle and they just fall over. What is it? Yeah, you clap. Or... <laughs> <laughs> it's a real thing. Look it up on the internet. It looks really cruel, but it's not. That's just what they do. 
Thank you so much, Bang Fam. Thank You're you, Bang Fam. We love no matter you. what we do, whether it's a spew bowl or goat talk, you are there for <laughs> or it. Crime You're stoppers. there to support or crime stoppers. Yeah. Love it. Um, I love it. I love it. It's like the Bang Box has just become this amazing resource of knowledge and experience that's being shared, but also animal photos. Yeah, it's, it's the, the neighborhood. It's the neighborhood notice board that we need in our lives right now. Mm. Everybody is rallying around the Olympics, though, and mm. you know what? I think that many of us, myself included, poo pooed it. We're obviously quite concerned about a large sporting event that brings people from all over the world happening in the middle of a pandemic. And we said that it wouldn't happen. It didn't happen in 2020. And now it's on. And God, we're loving it. We're loving the Olympics. I love being an expert on sport for (laughs) how long? 17, who cares? A couple of weeks. A couple of weeks. My mum loves it too, because I showed no skills whatsoever, even though she played hockey for Australia. So, Are you serious? How did yeah, I not know this? I didn't, have I not told you this? It was it was before women's hockey was an Olympic sport. They weren't allowed because they were women. Uh, <laughs> but um, she represented Australia. Australia did have a team and she played in Malaysia um, and she's played for Victoria. So I'd like to think that somewhere in there there is a love of sport uh, of which I showed no desire to actually fulfil. Mum said I, I never had the fire in my eyes. That's what she said. <laughs> So How rough brutal. is that? How rough is that? <laughs> but like, there's got to be something in there that gives a shit about sport. And the Olympics is just—it's out—it's all of our t- times who can't play sport, don't don't do anything, have no interest. It's our time to shine, Zan. That's why I love it. <laughs> what are the sports that you've been getting into? I've been kind of reminded of all the sports that I just forgotten existed on a competitive level. You know, like handball, which is incredible. It feels like they can just tackle in any way they want. It's so brutal. Obviously fencing, which is the most beautiful and strange of dances. Mm. Um, court volleyball, I was getting really heavily into the yeah. Poland versus Iran match, a massive upset when Iran won and beat the second-seeded Poles. It was a huge match. Why do I care about this anymore? Like what have you been getting on, I, look, getting I, into? To, uh, well, because I only started last night, I got into the opening ceremony and the swimming and that was about it. But it was worth it. The swimming, I'm sure everybody saw when Ariane Titmus won the gold in the 400 metres freestyle. And Huge. It was incredible. And the coach's reaction up in the stands is pretty legendary as well. If you want to look that up, it's worth a look. But, yeah, I got really got into that. I'm enjoying Ian Thorpe's commentary. It's really nice to hear a voice that's not, and coming down the back straight is such and such, <laughs> coming over to get to such and such, and she's coming through. Like, you know, you get all those voices and I just, I don't know, they just wash over me. But his voice is really nice and it's it's a bit too soft. They need to turn up his mic. But enjoying <laughs> that there are new voices getting involved in things like commentary. I like that. The thing that I find, though, when um, Olympic athletes themselves commentate, and it's absolutely the people who should be there for the job, but their standards are way higher than ours. So someone's in like a qualifying race, whether it's swimming or running or whatever, and they do what I think is a pretty amazing job, and then it comes up with the commentator's just like, oh, she'd be disappointed with that. (laughs) like, what? (laughs) They they just did that. And it's 35 degrees in 90% humidity. What? I know. know. They're... Well, you're right, they're Olympic-level athletes and they just expect the best because, you know, they've been there and seen it. And the opening ceremony, watching everybody come out and just looking, and, you know, not everyone's young, but looking at these, you know, these these people at the prime of their lives, it's it's kind of magical even though I imagine the rest of their lives is pretty tough and kind of regimented. 
because uh, that's yeah, it has to be if if you want to be good at that sort of stuff. Um, mm. But it was so nice to see them. You know, this is their moment. It's it's like us going out on a Friday night with a few champagnes. This uh, is a bit their oiled as well, of like oh, very oh, oiled, Tonga. very oiled. <laughs> Tonga, he he turned up again, all oiled from uh, previous Olympics. That's his thing. I, I sadly I don't know his name. Hang on, he. He's got he's got history in the oiled game in the Mr. Oily game. Have you not I did not seen know that? this. Yeah, yeah, no, this no. is he's got form. This is what he does. Um, <laughs> I feel really bad. I can't remember his name because he's wonderful. Um, but yes, it was. Uh, I mean, I got a little bit excited. I think the first time I saw him oiled up a few years I bet ago, you did. Might have posted <laughs> something on Twitter about it, um, if I remember correctly. So I'm assuming it's the same guy, and I'm assuming he's got form, and I loved it. The opening ceremony was an interesting one. I watched it and i, I got to say, like, the day that it happened on Friday night in Australia, and this is the other thing, Tokyo's an hour time difference. Know, so this is, the like, best? the best Olympics for us. Yeah. So it was, like, primetime Friday night, 12 million people are in lockdown, everybody's watching the opening ceremony, right? So, and that day in particular on Friday was a total bin fire. Like, it, it just felt like the States and particularly Sydney and Melbourne uh, in the cities were just attacking each other. It was brutal on social media and they just felt like there was a lot of finger pointing and it was Lord of the Flies mm. to the nth degree. And then on Friday night we could all gather around shit canning the opening ceremony, which mm. actually filled me with so much joy uh. because it was like it it was a strange opening ceremony. It was quite bleak. I will say I didn't stick around Eerie. to the end because Eerie. There was no I one go- in the audience. Yeah, and obviously the yeah the lack of audience made a huge difference. It was very quiet, but even just the the start of it, I didn't watch the end because I googled how many more countries there were to go at about eleven p.m. and it was sixty more. I'm like, I can't no, no, go no, to no. Bed. I can't yeah. stay up for this. <laughs> um, but the start of it was certainly like very blank canvas, few people, no, certainly not what you're used to seeing. And of course, we're in a pandemic; it's going to be different. And they were definitely capturing the loss of what had happened in the last year, and even referring to bad things that had happened in the past like the Munich Olympics and stuff like that mm. so it was a bit strange but the the way that different broadcasters handled it was strange again and there was something that went down in a South Korean broadcaster where as oh. each of the countries came out no. there were pictures they associated with each country and pizza for Italy okay talk about Dra- racial generalizations though like this is it gets the- worse though like it, oh. Dr- Dracula for Romania and Chernobyl for Ukraine. What the fuck? Oh, you're kidding. What the fuck? No way. Oh, well, look, it's interesting, isn't it, when world politics and and sport collide, quite often the sporting people can't quite get it right. Um, It's not really their domain. So these things seem to happen all the time. There's always something every year. Well, Channel 7 was, you know, quite bad as well in their commentary. You had Bruce, as always, um, Hamish usually commentates the footy and did liken just about anything he could to what he could fit inside the MCG, literally talking about small non-English speaking nations and whether or not their populations could fit inside the MCG. That was oh his God. unit of me- me- oh measurement God. over and over <laughs> again. But they would keep like making these sort of light-hearted references to atrocities that had happened in their nations. And I understand in the context of the history of a nation but it's just like no you don't know this stuff and that's not how like that's not how you associate 
if they haven't ever won a gold medal or they haven't in a while, then don't talk about the civil war they had in the last five years. It's the mm. goddamn Olympics. I know that it all, like, you can't separate them, but the people that are talking about it should just not be talking about this stuff. <laughs> it was it was so many cringeworthy oh, moments. I see. I haven't seen that part of it, but um, I, I, I definitely trust your take on that. But what I did watch was the international version of imagine all the people oh, and, yeah. and how it was great to see Angelique Kidjo representing Africa, um, Alejandro Sands for Europe, uh, John Leg- Legend for the Americas. Not sure if the rest of the Americas chose that, but they, they, he got dumped <laughs> in there. Um, I, I like him, but, you know, it's, it's a bit of a weird call. But also Keith Urban, not for Australia, but for Oceania. Oh, no, I can never say that word, Oce- Oceania. Oceania? Oceania. Oceania. <laughs> um, he was great. I love I loved him. Oceania. 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 Oceania? Whatevs. We know what it means. It's it's our part of the world. It's it's our our, our drop in the ocean. But email us at the in the bang box. How do you pronounce yeah. our continent? <laughs> <laughs> um but he yeah, he was his hair was great, hair looked good, tats looked good, but I wanted to hand him a chapstick. <laughs> Because this is the thing about high definition and the Olympics. Like, everybody's like, it freaks me out. Like, I could never be an Olympian, not because I have no sporting prowess whatsoever. But, and, and this is going to lead us on to what people are wearing. But, like, the high def just emphasises everything on the telly. And I could see it's he had, too real. He'd obviously been giving Nicole a bit of a passion. There was a bit of a chapstick, like, <laughs> bit, chap lips kind of business going on. But, yeah, and, and the same goes for anyone who wears a, a skin-tight costume. You can see everything now. It's not like it was when the telly was a tiny box in the corner of a room and they were little figures. Like, that's what television originally was and you could wear these sort of tight, skimpy outfits. But now it's like, I don't know, it makes me feel weird when, they have to wear tight, skimpy outfits like the volleyballers, the beach volleyballers. They have to wear bikini bottoms. And it's like, in what world? Why? Well, the German Olympic team for gymnastics has hit back at this. They have decided to wear full body suits, a unitard basically, mm. in qualifying for the Olympics in a move that they say was designed to promote freedom of choice and encourage women to wear what makes them comfortable. And one of the uh, competitors in the sport actually pointed out that this was also aimed to counter the sexualization of the sport. Remember yep. that there was a horrible case in the States recently where hundreds of gymnasts were abused mm-hmm. by a coach. And in recent years, you know, there's been a lot of these reports and cases of sexual and physical abuse. So there's been introductions of new safety protocols, but the women in these teams are saying we need to have more say over what our uniforms are and pointedly not let men in power decide what we wear. And in a different sporting field, not the Olympics, but in the European Championships, speaking to the point you were saying, Miff, mm. um, Norway's beach handball team wanted to wear bike shorts instead of bikini bottoms. And they did, even though they were told they weren't allowed to, and they were fined 1,500 euros Pink, the pop star, has come out and said, go, you good things, I'm going to pay your fine, happy to pay your fine if you need to. Good. But it's just like, why? What, like, you, think, just on a creepy, basic, like. It's pervy. If you don't it's also wear- wedgies. Like, how do you do sport when you've got a massive wedgie? It's not practical. And you're on sand. I don't know if you use this term when you're in <laughs> year nine and you're on the beach. Do you, 
this could be a bit too far for the for the Bang On podcast. <laughs> oh, you're going to go there. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, no, I want to hear it from you. No, come on, I don't want to say it. <laughs> you can't leave us hanging. I don't know what you're talking you about. Don't, you sure you don't know what I'm talking about? I don't about? know, I don't it, know this yet. Could be, this could be a Redcliffs thing because we used to go to the, the – the, well, the river, but there was like sandbars and, you know, when you're wearing bathers that uh, don't cover much, you get a bit of sand in there. Um, no, and? Gritty clitty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, did you just say gritty clitty? Gritty clitty. <laughs> gritty clitty! <laughs> I've never heard that, Miss. Have you never heard Must that? Must be a Redcliffe thing. I think it's a Redcliffe thing. <laughs> I, I feel like it's a Redcliffe thing. Oh, my God. Is that too far for Bang On? No, nah, you, you nah. did it. <laughs> you went there. We're never going back. Oh, God, I can't believe I said that. But we did. We used to say that. It was like a joke. Like it's not, you know. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, no. But you never thought that was going to happen. No, I love it. I welcome it. This so, conversation. Look, come on, Bang Box. Someone else would use. I'm not the only person, and in my small town is not the only town to utilize that term. I'm Just sure. Remember, I'm the one who has to read these emails. Me, if I'm the one who's like at the at the coal face of gritty clitty emails. So just <laughs> chill out a second. I was so embarrassed I couldn't even say it properly. <laughs> I said gritty clitty gritty clitty. There was there was a really good piece in the conversation off the back of this called Uniform Discontent by Rachel Jefferson Buchanan, who's a lecturer in human movement studies at mm. Charles Sturt University. And she was talking about the way that there's just this uprising, which is fantastic to see. We get enraged that this is happening, but the fact that they're just pushing forward and doing it means mm. that change is, is happening. And she said in this piece that this paves the way for more sportswomen to oppose dress codes that are based on archaic ideas of what women should look like often through the eyes of men. Although women's sporting performances have been historically hampered and sexualized, sportswomen are finally calling the shots in terms of how their bodies are regulated through what they wear. Perhaps now we can focus on their athleticism and contribution to sport. Hear, hear. Absolutely. Bang. 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 Well, from one empty stadium to another, what's what's the story <laughs> with Kanye West, who uh, promised to release Donda on Friday, didn't, but that's okay because whenever he wants to, we will wait. Um, but apparently he moved into a stadium in America to record some new bits and now he actually lives there. What? WTF? Yes. As, as someone at work said to me, this is some real Phantom of the Opera shit, which oh. kind of nailed it. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so, like, I just thank you, Kanye, for existing. Highly problematic, politics a little bit askew and obviously said some messed up things, particularly in recent years. But he continues to entertain and he did like a live playback, as he's done before, at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta Mm. where he basically played out this record, Donda, and... Then afterwards, we're all waiting for it to pop up on streaming services or to be for sale or whatever. Nothing. Nada. And then a couple of days later, it's reported that he's now temporarily living in the building as he puts the final touches on Donda. And again, this is something he's done before where he's said that a record's finished and then he's delayed it, delayed it. He's still doing stuff. He's a perfectionist. He wants to make sure it's right. But he's got a studio space and living quarters within the studio. I liked he's it so in- much I bought the stadium. <laughs> 
He's got a private chef to prepare his meals. And I don't know if you saw this, but he was spotted on the weekend on Saturday wandering around the stadium during an Atlanta United football match versus Columbus Crew, which he documented on his Instagram. And if you wondered if it was just someone with his account filming fans because they're all like cheering and he's in this middle of this crowd, there's footage of him at the game and he's got pantyhose pulled over his head to conceal his identity, which is a pretty good way to draw attention to yourself. He's got a massive big like bright red shiny puffer jacket and he looks like he's about to rob a bank and he's just walking through this stadium. (laughs) It's like, what is happening? I'm being worried worried for him him because you've been into valid. You've been into an empty stadium, right? Like down, when you've been invited to do something, like I've done stuff at the Melbourne Cricket Club when there was no one there except for yeah. us in a little room, um, like it was a corporate gig. And they're creepy. Like you go right down the bottom into the basement and you wander through those hallways, you know. What happened in Spinal Tap is real. Like it's it's kind of creepy <laughs> and weird and scary and empty and No one can hear you scream. No one can hear you scream. But then tie into that, there's this idea that he loves the audience so much he has to live with the audience. Oh, I'm a bit worried about him. That's a very interesting approach. I, who knows what goes on with Although, Kanye? I haven't I haven't even heard the record. Jay-Z pops up on it, but I well, haven't listened good. to it because I don't have an sign. Apple Music login, so I'm in the dark. Oh, well, I'm pretty sure someone in the Bang Fam can sort you out for that. <laughs> Stop um, it. Just get in on the email. Zan needs your, needs your login. But this is a good sign that, that, that he's back and that um, Jay-Z has said, yes, let's go forth and we can do something together. Mending bridges, all of that. And, you know, maybe it's just Kanye saying he knows what he loves, which is an audience. He might as well live with them. You're probably going to find out about it anyway. So here's a little preemptive truth telling. There's no happy ending. One, two, three, four. Now, Miff, my other favourite Miff is coming up, the Melbourne International uh-huh. Film Festival. And one of the films that I'm really looking forward to in that program is the premiere of the Anthony Bourdain doco, which I think is going to get a more broad release. As a new program, parts unknown. One minute I was standing next to a deep fryer, and the next I was watching the sunset over the Sahara. What am I doing here? It's called Roadrunner. The trailer is super compelling. It's basically the story of Anthony Bourdain and it seems to be telling almost like stitching together the story of how he got where he was and then what led him to his demise, which that latter part of it made me feel a little bit uncomfortable Mm. watching it. But there's been another strange story that's come out of this through the New Yorker this week, there's AI involved in this doco yeah. as well. And and look, this makes me feel a little bit weird because if anything, Anthony Bourdain is or well, is still revered for his authenticity. Mm. You know, he would go to places that weren't Michelin starred or anything like that, but they were considered the best by the locals. That sort of gear that was very much his ethos on life, on food. That food was a, a greater indicator of. Of, of the life that you lived and it, it connected people. So there's a lot of auth- of, the, of use of the word authenticity around Anthony Bourdain and this new film has actually got three moments apparently. Uh, I haven't seen it um, and I will but I, don't, I, I mean I don't know. I don't know if I can, if I'm ready for that kind of thing just yet. Um, but there are three moments when... Anthony Bourdain's words, which he has written, I suspect, so they are his, but they are voiced by a deep fake. 
in that it's a cobbling together of his words. And I think the issue that people are having with that, including Anthony Bourdain's ex-wife, um, it's said that she was alerted to it, but she she has denied that and, and is not in agreement with this. Um, yeah, apparently it's, co- it's cobbled together his words without alerting the viewer that this is in fact a deep fake, even though they are his words, which brings in a whole new level to what you're watching, um, especially when it comes to things like authenticity, of which mm. I'm sure uh, Bourdain himself would have been quite um, against, I think. I think he would think that you should know if it was if it had been cobbled together. Um, but the article is actually really interesting because it talks about um, uh, the fact that people feel like it's a ghoulish thing. The, the director's not too bothered by it um, and he chose not to disclose its presence in the film for reasons I'm not sure of, but it raises all these concerns that I think many of us have about the ethical use of what's called synthetic media. Yeah. And that is the deep fakes. That is the voice, um, you know, voice issues. When it comes to things like cartoons, I think um, the the woman who played Mrs Crabapple on The Simpsons, when she passed away, they cobbled together her voice as it already existed for that character, which I think is kind of fine because she was not playing herself. Yeah. Whereas to have a deep fake of Anthony Bourdain playing himself but not, condoning this or at least giving it his seal of approval when I don't know it just it just feels a bit it feels a bit weird so you know there's issues like disclosure do do you tell your audience this is happening the director didn't um and people feel a lot of discomfort because of um something that the article brings up which I I I wasn't aware of psychologists call it a parasocial relationship which is um a close connection that people feel with a person that they know at either a celebrity or a musician or, you know, as somebody that they understand that person because of that person that they are and what they portrayed to be. So this director could be then seen to be manipulating that and that really messes with what's called our parasocial relationship. So it's it's really, into, it's really interesting because I, I think people have, when you think about parasocial relationships, they're very personal. If you love someone... You love someone for your own reasons, whether or not you know them or not, you know, and, and this is kind of messing with that. In a but don't bit. you reckon that that plays, and as someone who loves documentary film, mm. documentary isn't a capture of reality, it is an agenda, it is an edited mm. piece of story and it's someone's perspective. Mm. And that was the feeling I had when watching the trailer, my initial before knowing any of this, I was like, oh, okay, they're kind of almost reverse engineering his story, editing his narrative because you know how it ends and Mm. these are the stories and this is the things that he said that led up to that, which is completely unfair, I think, and unfounded to do that with the footage that they have. It's basically re-editing the story of someone's life. Mm. And I get that it happens. I'm very... Eyes wide it already open about... it already happens though in documentaries. You're right. Yeah, it I'm ha- eyes wide open about that. It happens in other ways. It happens in other ways though. But how is that di- like? I, I'm totally playing devil's advocate here. Mm. No, 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 no go that, for it. How is that different to being having something that where there's portions of deep fake? Is it so much worse than the editing that goes on and the agenda setting that goes on in this and every other documentary where they're trying to push a certain narrative? No, no, I absolutely agree with you there. But I do think that. Um, not alerting the audience that this actually occurs in the film, I think is 
That's it's wrong. A little suspect, and I'm not sure why. Um, I think people these days are very aware of how documentary work, particularly documentary works, I should say, particularly with reality TV. I mean, everybody knows how that all works, you know, how, yeah. how they portray people, how essentially it is a, a type of fiction in a way. It is a type it's a of manipulation, story. yeah. It's a manipulation of reality according to somebody else's perspective. Um, and your response to it will always be uh, subjective. So, yes, you're right, but at the same time I just feel like this would make, from what I know of Anthony Bourdain, and I don't profess to know a lot, I just think it would make his skin absolutely crawl. That was my reaction too. I just don't mm. think he would like this at all, the mm. whole thing. Yeah. Good to be in uh, first-year cinema studies, though, with you back at university. I love it, although I used to take <laughs> all the um, really easy topics and that's how I made my one and only friend at university because we used to choose the same topics. Hello to Steph, my my darling friend who we... We did all like um, everyone else was doing, you know, French cinema, and we would do talking mise en scene and (laughs) And what have you, and we would do Evil Dead. (laughs) Perfect for your brand and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I hate horror. Oh, oh god, don't even get me started. But no one else picked it, and so we thought we would do all right. Hey, a heavy week in some ways, but let's bring some lightness. We've tried to today. Mm. Can so many people tagged me and you in this this week. Dolly Parton Aye. wishing her husband Carl happy birthday. I mean, how would you describe this video myth other than joyful? <laughs> oh, it's amazing. She's wearing a Playboy bunny outfit that she wore on the cover of Playboy magazine way back when, I think it was the Hang late. Hang on, is that the original she's wearing? Oh, I don't know if it's the original, but I'm sure okay. her waist is just as tiny. She's had the ribs <laughs> removed as far as I know and you so know that. Intense. Um, she wanted to be on the cover of Playboy when she was older, um, which she is now and sadly well, well, not sadly, whatever you feel, Playboy's not around anymore. So she just did it anyway for Carl. And what I loved the best was the photo of her with the original picture of her in the Playboy outfit with her wearing it now, looking freaking amazing. Go, Dolly. Mm. Um, but Carl just sitting there because you never see Carl. No one, no one sees him. <laughs> it was a bit weekend at Bernie's. It totally was. It was just the back of, back of his head, Carl in the, ch- the chair, in, in Carl's chair, just sitting there while this, like, golden animated love of light and glory mm. is in front of him and he's just there like he's mm. watching TV. Like so, he'd had a heart. So Carl. I know. I reckon he might have had a few heart palpitations, a bit like the time when I, I went and saw Bert and Paddy at Crown Casino and Paddy came out, I think I've told you this, Paddy came out wearing a sequined, like, jacket, you know, I've got a skirt, a, a, something with a short skirt and a long, she had no pants on, just, well, dance pants, but not. Anyway, she just had a jacket on, what it looked like. She went out and sat on the knees of a few of the elderly gentlemen in the audience and seriously, I thought they were going to have to call the ambulance. So <laughs> it was terrifying. <laughs> Everyone survived. Carl survived. Dolly looks amazing. Love it. The other great piece of joy this week was the confirmation of Benifer. We've talked about it before on Bang On, J-Lo and Ben Affleck back together again. And, yes, it has been Instagram confirmed when Jennifer Lopez posted some shots of how we all celebrate our birthdays on a yacht mm. um, in a bikini looking better than I ever have at any point in my life mm. at the age of 52. And one of the little uh, pictures in the carousel was of her kissing Ben Affleck. And I mm. think it was a recreation of an image 
from Jenny from the Block, which oh, he featured in that video all the way back at the start of the millennium. <laughs> They're totally trolling us and I love it. I know, I know. I love it. It's great. It makes you feel good because in those days the world just didn't seem as complicated. All there was was Benefer and now it's just a shitstorm. And they're back together so that gives us all hope. But also someone wrote on Twitter, um, we love watching Benefer reunite because apparently there's always someone in our past that we wished we (laughs) could get back with. I'm not sure I agree with that necessarily but it's a very valid point. Um, And also I I I, I worry, I worry about the photographer. Who's taking these photos? <laughs> That's creepy. Is it the kids? Like, like imagine if your mum said, it's hey, kids. It's not the kids. Who knows? They're on a boat. They're on holidays. And she goes, look, we've got it. Because, you know, doing Instagram and stuff, it's work. Oh, fuck, we've got to do a couple of publicity shots. We better make this Insta <laughs> official. Hey, um, Damien, can you just get your phone and get us a couple of pics of um i'll just hit hit ben i'll just give you a kiss and i'll look cool and you take that photo like that's what's going on or someone someone on the boat's not getting paid enough to take these photos (laughs) or some poor child like i'm not saying it in a weird way but you know like when your mum has to get you to do stuff and it's embarrassing because mum's you know i couldn't even handle my mum dancing let alone you know all of that I worry. I'm just worried about the people who are taking the photos just because it's a job that, you know, it's mum's job. Shouldn't be forcing <laughs> it on anyone. And there's My only a couple of hurts. and there's only a couple of people on that boat cuz like, you know, you I mean, it is a super yacht, but <laughs> I've looked way like, too much into I, this, haven't I? I know, I'm like, this gives me hope and you just went down <laughs> a deep rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> Who's taking the photo? Who's on the other side of Benefer? <laughs> oh, man. What are you banging on about this week? Uh, I finally watched Ted Lasso. I don't need to tell oh, you what great. it is. It's a sporting-based show, but it's actually got nothing to do with sport. It's about, you know, feeling good and it's about raising people up and finding their best selves. Um, Jason Sudeikis is Ted Lasso. He's like a Ned Flanders character who takes Mm -hmm. over a UK soccer slash football team. Um, And it is as gorgeous as everyone says. The first few episodes, I was like, oh, this is so nice. It's so twee. And it's freaking great. Once you get there, you get so there. So have you watched the second series as well? Because the second well, series just dropped over the yeah, weekend. Um, have you no, watched that No, no, it's only one episode. It's pissed oh. off. I settled in. I settled in. <laughs> <laughs> Same with what you're about to bang on with too, White Lotus. Oh, you got to wait a week. It sucks. I hate it. What is this? It's not 2001. <laughs> Fuck that. Put it up. We're in lockdown. <laughs> Don't they know? You're on fire today. Am I? Lock me <laughs> yeah. down more rough then. Yeah. She's ready to burst. I am actually. <laughs> what? Yeah, tell me about White Lotus. I've been watching it too and I'm really annoyed. Oh, that... you want to know what I'm banging on about. Yeah, Thanks for I asking. I know you're banging on about it because I, I would have if you hadn't said it. So go. <laughs> Oh my god! Yes, it's another it's another fantastic series. Which yes, we have to wait week by week uh, for because it's coming direct from the states. It's a HBO series, which means you can watch it on binge and Foxtel in Australia, and it is a satire comedy mini series that's been created and written and directed by Mike White, who some people might remember did that amazing series Enlightened, 
with Laura Dern, which was also on HBO a few years ago, about a woman who is quote-unquote enlightened but also very highly strung. (laughs) An incredible series. Mike White is a genius and this is all set on Hawaii, which is one of my favourite places. And again, we talk about it in Bang On. We can't go anywhere. Mm. We can with the TV shows that we're watching and with the books that we're reading. So it's a bit of armchair travel. But the cast is just amazing. You've got Murray Bartlett, who's an Australian actor who plays Armand. He's been in that series Looking. He was also in um, the sort of reboot of Tales of the City. And Connie Britton, one of my favourites. Tammy Taylor um, from Friday Night Lights. Of course, she's... Nashville, all of that. <laughs> Gen- Jennifer Coolidge, who is freaking incredible in this, as oh, always. So good. Um, and, and a handful more, including Steve Zahn, who just has redefined my whole opinion of him. He's a great actor, he always has been, but there's particularly like last night's episode, which I just watched, episode three, is like, wow. Like, that's all I will say. Wow. Really? It's really? Just it's phenomenal. good. I'm, oh, that's what I'm doing after this. Hey, and you know that guy, that actor that got shamed when he did an audition on Zoom to a Hollywood director, and the Hollywood director made a joke about the. The, the barrenness and the sort of sadness of his apartment. Do you remember that? It was on Twitter a couple of months ago and everyone's going. Vaguely, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. everyone's going, oh, that poor guy. He's just trying to, make, you know, trying to make a living. He's trying to get his get his go in acting. He turns up in that, in White Lotus, the guy who got like oh, apartment <laughs> shamed by a shit Hollywood director who was an asshole about the way he was living. Um and he caught it and he's got a job in White Lotus. So I say, more power to you, young man. <laughs> Go White Lotus for casting him and hopefully he can, you know, afford a, a whiz-bang new apartment. Go, you good thing. It's so good. Just watch it. I don't want to say too much about it. Just watch it and you'll get it. It is very funny. It is, like, hateful, wonderful people and just ridiculous and just wild. It's just a wild series. I don't mm. want it to end. It's six episodes. Um, it just aired. The third episode just aired and it's happening weekly and I love it to bits. It's so, so good. Mm. Hey, Miff, before you skedaddle on out of here, mm. um, I just wanted to share a beautiful email that I got from Kate uh, last late last week to the Bang Box. Kate was emailing us from Gadigal Land in lockdown. Big hugs to Sydney. It is very much a struggle right now to Greater Sydney, to other parts of New South Wales. We feel it. We are there with you and we're really sorry that you're in this and we're really hoping that it gets better um, soon. But Kate emailed us on Friday and said, today felt super heavy, not just because we're five weeks into a lockdown that has no end in sight or because you're so unfairly in your fifth lockdown, as in in Melbourne, uh, despite having gone through so much last year, or because every day seems to bring another lockdown for some other part of Australia and no clear plan or no way out. It was just that today suddenly it felt like we weren't in it together anymore. Everyone's fear and frustration just exploded into blame and anger and accusations, which is totally understandable but also just really hard. So it was a perfect coincidence that this was also the day that the Bang Back episode landed in my ears. Not only a brilliant list of ace recommendations to get me through the long, cold winter lockdown, not only the sassy, salty Bang Fam reviews, but most importantly, the togetherness of this brilliant, warm, loving community you've both created. Thank you for the sweetest reminder of all today, that we're all part of the best fam, and no matter how far apart we are, we are always together. Love will get us through this, and today the Bang Fam bought it in droves. Oh, 
God, I'm just going to cry. Gonna cry when I'm, I cry when I read that and I feel like crying again. I that love was you, just, Bangs fam. That was beautiful. I can't, like we, yeah, Bang Back was a huge lift for us last mm. week and it wasn't, we didn't know when we planned it for weeks. We didn't know it would land in that time, but it feels like it just hit at the right moment and a good reminder of when all that noise and that negativity is just swirling around the internet. There is community in Bang On, beyond, you know that there's community there. Don't lose sight of that. We're all here for each other. We all want the best for each other and try not to forget that. Yeah. Um, but thank thank you so much for everybody who's been sending messages. It just, yeah, it's really, it's really buoyed us and it means a whole lot to us. It does. We love you. And in the words of Dolly Parton, who recently commented on a Kim Kardashian Instagram post, yes, she did, she said, and it was Kim Kardashian posing in a bikini or something gorgeous, she said, because, you know, obviously newly divorced and all that. You're doing great, sweetie. <laughs> That's all you need to say to yourself every day. You're doing great, sweetie. Look in the mirror. Be like Dolly. You're doing great, sweetie. Yeah. I'll see you next week. See you, Zan. Love you. Love you. Bye. on.